So we are, um, as you know, Genesis 12 through 50, and repeat this uh, over and over again, that, that when we're studying these things, we need to keep this in mind, this blessing that, that God gives to Abraham at the beginning of Genesis chapter 12, because it is an, uh, an overarching uh, theme and uh, important message for all of this study. Uh, so Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So that last line, um, we know that that, um, that's an important line for us at Christmas time because that last line we know, and in you, uh, in the offspring of Abraham, all the families of earth shall be blessed. And that's talking, of course, about Jesus. So God has passed this blessing on to from Abraham through Isaac and now from Isaac through Jacob uh, and it will again get passed on through one of Jacob's sons. So last week I started out, uh, we're in Genesis 35, uh, saying that unless we were teaching through straight through Genesis, um, nobody would ever teach on this, this passage of scripture uh, because nobody would pick it. Um, nobody would want to tell the story of Reuben's incest, um, which appears to be the reason that the blessing does not go through Reuben, uh, though he is Jacob's oldest son, but through another of his sons, Judah. And it is in the New Testament that we learn that this blessing um, is ultimately fulfilled through Jesus Christ, and it cannot uh, be derailed by by our human actions. So tonight we're coming to the last part of Genesis 35, the very end of Genesis 35, and we have three verses, um, Genesis 35, 27 to 29. And just like last week, unless we were teaching straight through Genesis, uh, we wouldn't teach on this. If you were picking something to teach on, you, you just wouldn't pick it, not because it's like last week's, but because if you read through the verses, you, you might go, well, that doesn't seem very interesting. Um, pretty bland, as a matter of fact. So here they are. Here are the verses. Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre of Kiriat Alba, that is Hebron, where Abram, Abraham and Isaac sojourned. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. An old man of ripe age and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So that's it. Um, those are the verses that we're, that we're going to study tonight. Um, so Friday... Uh, just a couple of days ago, I was, I was on my way home from church, um, and, and as, as I usually do, this is part of my routine, I was listening to the briefing. 
Um, so if, if, if the words, the briefing, sound familiar to you, it's because of Pastor Randy, who references it periodically. Um, Albert Moeller, who is the president of Southern Theological Seminary, gives his daily analysis of news and events from a Christian worldview. That's the way he phrases it. Um, and Friday, um, he was talking about Christmas, uh, specifically about the virgin birth. Now, often you can get the transcript of what he talked about, but it wasn't available yet today because it just was on Friday. So I, so Brenda, I asked her to transcribe it for me, um, this little section of words. So this afternoon, <laughs> Brenda transcribed this for me. So here's what he said. One of the things we need to keep in mind is that every detail of the account concerning the birth of Jesus is absolutely essential for us. We believe not only in sola scriptura, that scripture is sufficient, we believe in verbal inspiration, which means that every word of scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And every word is fully inspired, and that means there are no extra words. There is no extra information. There is no unnecessary data in the biblical text. Anywhere, in the prophets, in the law, in the gospels, in the epistles, no. There is no extra data. So when we come to our passage tonight... Um, and have the, you know, just approach it and go, well, that doesn't seem very interesting. Um, we need to remember the words that Moeller said. Every word is fully inspired, and that means there are no extra words. There is no extra information. There is no unnecessary data in the biblical text anywhere, uh, including here. So with that said, our text is Genesis 35. 27 through 29, um, and my ESV Bible has this part of a larger section that is called the deaths of Rachel and Isaac. Um, so we're on to the death of Isaac, which again is the very end of chapter 35. It was about three weeks ago that we covered the death of Rachel, and last week uh, the short passage about uh, Reuben and Jacob's sons. So this is the end of the, the generations of Isaac. So our plan for tonight is we'll just read through the text again, um, make some comments about it, and then we'll approach it with this question. Um, what is your peace? So let's read, let's read again Genesis 35, 27 to 29. Jacob came to his father, Isaac, at Mamre of Kiriat Alba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, an old man of ripe age, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. 
So when you look at these verses, and keep in mind Moeller's thoughts, and avoid using words like not very interesting or boring, what do you think of? I'm not going to ask you to give input if you don't want, but what do you think of? Get it in your mind when you see these things, these verses. What do you think of? Think of how could that possibly be relevant for us? Well, when I looked at the verses... I, what I thought of was peace. Peace, especially when I thought of what had come before them. What's led up to this point where Jacob is now coming home for the death of his father. Jacob had been, had been through uh, almost unbelievable troubles. Um, and you keep wondering what could possibly go wrong next. So here, uh, if you were here this morning, Pastor Randy listed off those troubles that Jacob was going through. Um, And now he has to deal with the death of his father. Except when you look at this text, it doesn't seem like trouble. Um, It seems peaceful, kind of idyllic, um, kind of surreal, almost like a good thing. Um, and so Jacob makes his way home to his father Isaac. There's, there's no hint that there's any trouble here. J- Isaac seems to have a peaceful death, which doesn't seem scary at all. Seems more like a blessing. And even the statement about Esau, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him, seem uneventful. Well, that is completely opposite of the way that this story started out, the generations of Isaac. It started out this way in Genesis 25. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you. First five verses um, of the generations of Isaac, which begin in 19. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived, and the children struggled within her. And she said, If it is thus, and I'm going to reword this more literally, why am I alive? It's going to be like this, why am I alive? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Not a very peaceful start, but here we are at the end of the the story, and we have this peaceful Ending. So why is it so peaceful or so, so calm, so bland? Um, so I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight because I don't really usually title um, what we talk about on Sunday night. But since I was asking a question anyway, what is your peace? I'm a, that's the title too. So it's the title and it's the question that we're going to try to answer tonight. What is your peace. Uh, 
So it comes from it comes from the story, it comes from the sense of peace that I felt when I read this, but it also comes from a common Hebrew greeting where we would say like hi how's it going? They would say in I'm going to paraphrase it or put it in English, translate it in English. What is your peace? What is your peace? So it would be, this is how you would say it. If you were speaking to a man, you would say ma, that means what? Shalom, you recognize that, right? Peace, cha, which is you. Ma shalom cha, what is your peace? So if you were talking to a woman, you'd say ma shalom ech. If I was talking to all of you, I'd say ma shalom chem. What is your peace? What is your peace? So the, the word for peace has a wide variety of meanings. Um, it can mean things like um, just the peace that we're talking about right now, that it seems peaceful. It can mean your health. How healthy are you? How, what is your welfare like? How, is your, how, is, how are you? How are you feeling? It can mean all of those kind of things. But... It also means peace. It just means peace in some cases. So uh, three points under this question of what is your peace. Um, Isaac returns safely is the first one. So Isaac returns home safely. So this is uh, the first verse that we're looking at. Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre of Kiryat Alba, um, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Israel had sojourned. So, so he came home, and he got home, and it looks like it's a peaceful coming home, right? So let's let's turn to this um, in Genesis 28. You will remember this because we refer to it often. It, it is when. Uh, Jacob is heading out, fleeing from Esau, and he comes to the to Bethel where he has this dream. Uh, we know it as Jacob's ladder. I'm going to pick it up in the middle of that story, um, in the middle of that event. 28, 13, 14, and 15. I'm going to read this. Uh, 28, 13, 14, and 15. And behold, the Lord stood above it. That would be the ladder or the stairway. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Right. So this is this same blessing that Abraham gets. Um, but then the next verse, Behold, I am with you. And we made a big deal about that over the last several weeks. And will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So notice that part of the promise. Not only that, but... Not only I will be with you, but I will bring you back to this land. 
the land not far from where his father lived, right? not far from where Jacob um, is now said to have gone to uh, Mamre at Kiliat Alba. Okay, so let's let's skip down a few verses and get get Jacob's response to this. Uh, beginning in verse twenty. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a, give a full tenth to you. Verse 21. And if I come again to my father's house in peace, then you, the Lord, shall be my God. Then Yahweh will be my God. So there's a reason that the passage that we're looking at tonight seems peaceful. It's because God has promised to bring him back in peace. Now, New American Standard says in safety there. Um, it's shalom. I will bring you back in shalom, which can mean safety. But if you have a New American Standard, um, you might just make a note that that word is in peace because it ties back to why this feels like such a, a peaceful ending. So God has fulfilled his promise. He has brought Jacob back to um, this land, to his father's land. And not only that, but the vow that Jacob made has happened. Right? He has, God has brought him back, and now, as Jacob vowed, Yahweh will be my God. So Jacob has been away for um, probably about half of Isaac's life. So when, when Jacob left Isaac, remember he was fleeing from Esau because he had just stolen the blessing from, from, from Esau that Isaac gave him. And Isaac sends him on his way to Padan, Aram, Isaac seemed like an old man. He could hardly see, right? I don't know the day when I'm going to die. Um, well, his life was about half over then. Um, so, if you're not feeling the greatest, let me go on for another half as long as you as long as you have lived already. So, anyway, but Jacob left under about the worst circumstances, um, and. Uh, fleeing from his brother, having deceived his father. Um, and Jacob leaves, and he doesn't get to come back until uh, Isaac is toward the end of his life. But in Genesis 31, God called him back. Um, and remember this, this statement, that, that Jacob refers to God as this, the God who answers me, 
in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So God has been completely faithful to his promise uh, and even faithful to the vow that Jacob makes to um, bring him back faithfully. And he comes back and God allows him to come back to his father and see his father die a peaceful death. Um, So, Mamre of Kiriat Arba, that is Hebron, says that is where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. Well, it's also a key place for Abraham and Isaac. So, in Genesis 18, remember the three guys where the Lord appears to Abraham, Abram, and says that about a year from now, Sarah's going to bear a son and you're going to, um, and he's going to be the heir. That's here. That's by the Oaks of Mamre. So it's at that place. Just before he goes and destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. It's right there. It's this same place that he comes home to Isaac there. Uh, it's also the place uh, where Abraham buys the cave to bury Sarah. The the cave of Machpelah. Um, it is the place. In fact, in fact, let's turn to Genesis forty nine real quickly, um, and and because there's a good reference to what how important this place is. Genesis forty nine, which is way ahead, but by the time we get there, you won't remember we covered this. <laughs> Genesis 49, beginning in verse 29, I'm going to read to, the, to verse 32. So this is Jacob, uh, talking about Jacob now, uh, at about the time when he's about to die. Then he commanded them and said to them, so this is, this is his sons, I am about, or I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field at Machpelah, to the east of Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite to possess as a burying place. So there it is. That's where this place is. That's where Isaac is living. That's where Jacob is coming to. And I'm going to keep going now. Verse 31. And there they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah. So we haven't really heard from Rebekah. We never did hear from her at all again uh, after Jacob fled. But we do know this, that she was buried there um, with Isaac. And there I buried Leah. So Jacob buried his wife, his first wife there. The field and the cave that is in it were bought from the Hittites. So this is the this is the... Thing that Abraham bought, the one piece of ground that he has in Canaan um, is right here where Isaac was living. Um, and so this is, this is a really a family uh, headquarters. It is the probably most important um, piece of ground. And Jacob wants to be buried there too. That's what, what chapter 49 says. Um, that the verses we read is about. So uh, Isaac had a peaceful death, and Jacob got to Jacob was called home 
by God to see that peaceful death. If you look at it, what it says here, now the days of Isaac were 180 years. Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, an old man of ripe age, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Again, very peaceful. So years ago, um, when I was on the on the fire department, um, we were. I cannot remember. I tried to remember um, what this topic, how this topic came up. But we were we were discussing something, and some and somehow somebody talked about, got on the top, moved on to the topic of death. And what, why I still remember it, is because it seemed so foreign to me that that this somebody just said oh you don't want to think about that so you don't want to think about death like it's going to go away if we put our our head in the sand but what is going on there why would somebody not even want to think about dying well, Hebrews 10.31 tells us what's behind that. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That is a terrifying thing. But death is not terrifying for those who have faith. And... Isaac had faith. So Psalm 23 that we, all, we often quote when we, t- we talk about times of death, but just hear part of this verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For you are with me. It almost sounds like um, at a later stage in life, Jacob could have written that as well. We know he didn't, but it almost sounds like that, right? And Isaac was a person as of faith. And as I referenced a little while ago, Psalm 116.15 says this, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. That's a good thing. God says that's a good thing. And that's what we are seeing here with Isaac. Why his death is so peaceful. So the details of Jacob's death, or Isaac's death, excuse me. Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. An old man of a ripe age. So if you're looking for... Normally I read about six or seven commentaries on a passage um, later in the week, but it didn't take long this week because nobody writes on this. <laughs> Except for Martin Luther, who writes up for a lot. He writes a lot of stuff on, um, on topics that you wouldn't believe he could write a lot of stuff on. But even here, Luther only wrote two pages. So that, that's not very much. But he did point this out, that this, I thought, was really an important point. 
uh, in verse 29, and was gathered to his people. That's a passive thing. It also points to that he's alive, right? That there's more to it than just being in the grave. That it's God who gathers us when we die. Gary gathered his people when they die. So this is very, very, very similar to the way that Abraham's death is described. So let's look at... Um, I'll read this again while you guys are turning to Genesis 25, verses 7 through 10. 25, 7 through 10, um, which is Abraham's death. And I'll read Jacob's, and you just pay attention to what Abraham says. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, an old man of a ripe age. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Not quite identical, but all the parts are there, aren't they? So you might think then that if you see something like that, well, that must be the way that, that they talk about death, right? So this, you're gathered to your people, talk about you know, your sons being with you, ripe old age, breathe his last. And just so, you, just so you know, that's not the case. So we're on the generations of Isaac, right? The generations of Terah, um, who was Abraham's father, um, end at the end of Genesis 11. So let's look at what it says, the last verse of Genesis 11. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. That's it, right? And, and the point is here, by the way, um, in this one, is that Terah was supposed to be somewhere else, um, but he stopped partway there and just died. He lived to be old. There's no gathered to his fathers. There's no nice um, talk about the sons burying him and getting along. There's nothing like that. So it isn't like that. Even Even Jacob's death isn't like that, quite like that, because... Jacob has had a lot harder life uh, probably than, than Abraham and Isaac had, although none of their lives would have been um, a picnic. Um, but, but not all deaths are described like the ones that we're getting here with, with Isaac and the one that we just saw with Abraham. But they had, Isaac had faith. And in, uh, in the New Testament, if you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, um, sometimes people call this the, the faith chapter or the hall of faith or, or something like that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 writes about, uh, the author writes about people from Israel's past who had faith. 
Uh, and both Isaac and Abraham are in here, as well as Jacob, and as well as Sarah, Abraham's wife. Um, but here's what it says um, at the beginning of Hebrews 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So keep that in mind. Abraham had faith. Isaac had faith. And that is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things that you don't see. So um, Hebrews, now we'll jump down in Hebrews 11. We're going to stay here for a little bit. Hebrews 11, um, and I'm going to read uh, verses 8 through 11 real quickly. So Hebrews 11, 8 through 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to the place that he was to receive as an inheritance. That's what we saw in Genesis 12:1. And he went out not knowing where he was going. God told him, go to the place that I will show you. By faith, he went out to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. There's our promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So he's not even looking to this earthly place that he is going to. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. So there, there's, there's the story of what we've been reading about in, in Genesis. Um, that they went out in faith, looking for what God was going to build. Whatever that was going to be, that's what they were looking for. I'll jump into the next couple of verses, 12 and 13. Therefore, from one man, that's Abraham, and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. And all these died in faith, not having received the things promised. So they never got to see the things promised before they died. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. In other words, they don't really belong here, right? They belong somewhere else. They have this faith. Down to verse 14. For people, in 14 through 16, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. They are looking for a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. They could have gone back and lived with Terah or in the place where Terah was from. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. So now we see that, that what is going on here is that, that their faith is in something else that they haven't seen. And that's why they are able to maintain their faith Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. 
He's now prepared for them a city. By faith, um, next couple of verse, next three verses, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And this is what Isaac is probably most known for. The testing of Abraham's faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So God has already promised that that's where the offspring are coming from, and yet he's supposed to offer him up. But he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back from the dead. So Abraham was convinced uh, that there was more to life than just this one killing of Isaac, which, of course, God doesn't um, let him do. Uh, And then, um, verse 20, By faith, Isaac invoked the future blessings on Jacob and Esau. So Isaac also has this faith, and, and when it comes to the time to give the blessing, though Jacob had stolen the blessing that, he, that Esau was supposed to have, when Esau actually blesses them, he makes this statement, oh, and he will be blessed. Yes, he will be blessed. And he goes through with the blessing because he knows uh, somehow Isaac has been convinced that it is God's will to bless um, Jacob, and so he does it by faith. So the faith of Abraham and Isaac, if you were paying attention to, was looking forward to something that was coming that they hadn't received yet. It wasn't tied up in their own circumstances. They looked forward to something that is better for us. Same chapter, right at the end of um, Hebrews chapter 11. There are a couple of verses that refer to everybody that's covered in this chapter. But it says this, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So they all died without receiving what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and those listed in here, were looking forward to the thing that would be better for us, which was this promised Messiah. They probably didn't know all the details, but they looked forward in faith to what we look back on and forward on, but their hope was in Christ. As we, as we talked about before in Galatians 3.16, it's clear that the offspring that is talked about is Christ Jesus. So they're looking forward to that hope in Christ, though they probably, again, didn't know all the details. So this is the same hope we have, right? It's what we talk about at Christmas time. It's this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So this is the hope that we have. 
It's the hope, also the hope of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And death is just not terrifying for those with faith. Now, Pastor Randy talked about this this morning that in our church we've had several um, people who have, Dale's one of them, who has lost his wife of many, many, many years. Um, and that was not a terrifying event, right? Because death is not terrifying for those with faith. In fact, it's precious. In the sight of the Lord. Third point Isaac and Esau are at peace. The last part of Genesis 35, and the last part of verse 29. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So remember that Jacob had said, if you bring me back here in peace, then, then you will be my God. Then Yahweh will be my God if he brings me back here in peace. So the biggest threat to Jacob's peace in his whole life was Esau. Right? Jacob took advantage of Esau, cheated him out of his, out of his birthright, um, stole his blessing, um, so Esau wanted to kill him. He had to flee from him. Even when he was on his back, Esau comes to meet him with his small army. Um, and Jacob is just terrified of Esau. And even when they meet together and, and Esau comes up and hugs Jacob, Jacob does not trust him. Jacob, remember Esau says, well, let's go together. And Jacob says, no, you guys go on ahead I'll catch up with you. And then when Esau goes on ahead, he turns and goes the other way. He does not trust Esau. But here, and his sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. So, you know, this is really pictured as a an ideal death. So, I don't do this very often, like think about what, what it's going to be like when I die. I mean, I just don't think about it. And, and things like funerals and what happens with the family and things like that. But, but I would think that I would want something pretty much like this. Um, probably not going to get 180, but... But, <laughs> but like this... Right? Sons come. Everything's good. They get along. Everything's good. Everything's peaceful. It's precious in the Lord's sight. So, so um, just to wrap this up, so there, there's, there's one commentary where um, this guy's name is James Boyce, and it's, it's really a good commentary, but he's got one chapter on, on most of Genesis 35, which he calls the sunset years of Jacob. 
And I know that it's, I know that he didn't. But when I saw that, I thought, did you forget about the rest of Jacob's life? Because this is like the calm before the storm. He's been in a storm. He's got this one little oasis of calm, and then more storm is coming. More storm is coming. And like we've talked about where Jacob says, um, kind of almost like an autobiographical thing, that, that the God who has been with me wherever I go um, as, as kind of his autobiography. Well, that's to this point in his life, but he, but he keeps that same attitude um, when he gets to the end of his life. And, and it's not exactly, these aren't exactly the same words, but this is what Jacob is going to say um, at the end of his life. Um, in chapter 48, you don't have to turn there. But here's what he's going to say at the end of his life. Um, Genesis 48, um, 15 and 16. And he blessed Joseph and said, so this is, he's blessing his son Joseph, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. That's that's an important word, walked. Um, God tells Abraham to walk before him and be blameless. The God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, Bless the boys, and in them let my name be carried on, in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So Jacob, in this coming storm, um, is able to, at the end of life, um, have that same kind of an attitude towards God. So back to our question, what is your peace? Um, Isaac's death was so appears so peaceful, um, but it's because it's just not terrifying. Uh, it is precious in the sight of the Lord. It is that. So our hope and our peace is in our faith in God. And I'm just going to leave and close. Uh, before we sing our final song with this, this reading from John chapter 14, which is part of the upper room discourse when Jesus is talking to his disciples. So uh, Randy this morning mentioned, Pastor Randy mentioned that um, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, uh, which is the end of Matthew Here's what Jesus also says to his disciples in the upper room. Uh, John 14, beginning in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. 
Jesus gives us this peace, peace to his disciples. Um, he told them he was going to, to go away. We know he's gone away, but it's the peace that he gives because he told them ahead of time that he is going away and so that we know it's right. We know that's where our faith is and where our peace is to be found. So what is your peace? Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for um, your word. And thank you for the encouragement and the realization that there are no wasted words here. Uh, There is nothing in here that doesn't belong uh, in your word to us. Thank you for preserving that for us. Uh, Thank you for the example that we have tonight in the death of Isaac. Um, And thank you for the peace that Jesus Christ brings to us. We pray these things in in his name. Amen.